what it is, what what a privilege it is to support God's work throughout this world. And indeed, we are part of God's work. We are a testimony within this community and within our country. We are a testimony of the gospel that transforms lives for the purpose of reaching the rest of the world. And as we come in these moments, we want to talk today about rescuing Sunday. We want to talk about rescuing Sunday, about the fact that our Sundays need to be rescued because we have shifted our priorities away from gathering with God's corporate body of believers, away from spending time together as a church family, worshiping in spirit and in truth, and enjoying that time of assembling ourselves together. Indeed, Hebrews chapter 10 reminded us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, just like the hot coal that is taken out of the fire and laid on the hearth and soon becomes cold and dark and dim because of the lack of heat. So is the Christian who is taken out from the furnace of God's family within the local church and set upon the heart, hearth all by himself to simply dull and dim and grow cold. Indeed, for the Christian, body worship and body building are not optional benefits. They are God's ordained blessing for all of his children. And we understand that Christians are ordained. Uh, Christians are given the gift of the local church in order to sharpen one another, in order to encourage one another, to spur us on to love and good deeds. Indeed, the local gathering of the church is essential to God's purpose in maturing the Christian and reaching the world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I think about the church, the local church in general, and specifically about our expression of Adamsville Baptist Church, this is the most precious place on earth. There's no place that I would rather be. A couple of weeks ago, Olivia and I had a chance to go back home. You ever been back home? You ever packed up everything and you headed back to where you grew up? And yes, we returned to that community in which we had grown up. And I returned to that house that I had lived in from the time I was two until the time I was 20. But you know what I found when I got back home? Home wasn't really home anymore. It wasn't really home. Because now God has shifted my place and my affection to this place. And even in that short period of three days, I missed my house. I missed my community. I missed my bed. And I missed my brothers and sisters in Christ. I missed them. Genuinely, it touched my heart because of the lack of fellowship within that time. And while William enjoyed playing with his cousins and while William enjoyed spending time with Nana and Grandpa, the reality is, you know what? Wednesday night when William came back and I went to lay him down in his bed after he had slept in the pack and play, that, that hard pack and play for three nights, I went to lay him down in the bed and you could just see him stretching out, reaching down for that mattress. Put him down and he just snuggled in. He was back home. He was back in a place of peace, a place of rest, a place of comfort. Indeed, that is to be the attitude of the Christian toward the church. The Christian should truly embody that kind of emotion, that kind of feeling when they are away from the spiritual family. We ought to be people who truly rejoice, as the psalmist said in chapter 122, verse 1. I rejoiced. I was glad when they said unto me, 
Let us go into the house of the Lord. For many of us, we approach the church, uh, the church gathering as that thing that we do on Sunday, not as something that is special, not as something that is critical, not as something that is important. But on Sunday, we go to morning worship with little more fervor or zeal than we do to our jobs throughout the rest of the week or that we, than we do to our going to our schools throughout the course of the rest of the week. For most of us, it's like a habit of breathing eating and sleeping we can do it almost without thinking in fact we might be able to do it in our sleep and some of us do in the course of my 34 years upon this earth i guesstimated and this is a lowball guesstimate i guesstimated that i have participated in somewhere around 5000 congregational worship experiences with the people of god You know the sad thing? I can remember very few details of any of those services. And I can remember very few things that impressed upon me as, uh, of those, of those 5,000, around 1,500 of those were 1,700 of those were Sunday morning services. On far too many of those uh, Sunday morning services, I had woken up late, walked into church groggy, worshiped distractedly, listened occasionally, and left early and remembered and retained very little of what was said and what was done. And when this is our approach to congregational worship within the local church, then we miss out on what God has given his children to be an exciting time of refreshment, of peace, and of comfort. What a difference would have been made in my life, in my witness, in my work, if I had prepared fully to receive God's word, to enjoy the fellowship of God's family, and to engage with a purpose and vigor in the songs and prayers of God's worship. Why would we ever want to miss that? Why would we want to be away from God's people and away from God's worship? Why would we want to go and be anywhere else or do anything else? The question must be asked. What do we need to do to rescue our Sunday mornings from disrepair? What harmful attitudes, what bad habits, what old assumptions do I need to leave behind to get the most out of my times of worship among the congregation? Understand, as we look, we must have new eyes to look at Sundays at the times of congregational worship where we engage in worshiping our Lord in spirit and in truth. We must be people who prepare. We must be people who participate. We must be people who then portray the difference that the worship of the living God has made within our lives. Now, I'm not going to present to you that indeed that, that, the, um, that Sunday is the new Sabbath within the New Testament. I don't believe that's true. But rather, what I'm going to present to you at the, is that Sunday is the Lord's day. And that within the New Testament and that within the early church, they began to gather and worship and celebrate the Lord's Day, that day on which our Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. That was the day that the congregation came together and they celebrated 
the goodness of God's salvation. Matthew Henry says it this way. He said that the Lord's day is to be a day to receive and embrace as a privilege and a benefit, not as a task and a drudgery. And so I ask you this morning, can you embrace that statement that the psalmist made when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's stand now as we read Psalm chapter 24, verses 3 through 5, and begin to look at rescuing our Sunday. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5. Who may ascend into the holy hill of the Lord, and who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Father, in these moments, we are thankful. Thankful that you have poured out the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us so that we might stand in your presence, so that we might receive the benefits of his righteousness within our lives, so that we might be called children of God. Lord, we ask that today as we talk about Sundays, talk about uh, the Lord's Day, Father, that we would give ourselves to rescuing it, Father, to setting our priorities to be built around planning to be in your house with your people to hear your word so that we might increasingly be changed and transformed into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would speak now, for your servants are listening. Speak now, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage that those that are righteous and redeemed through King Jesus are welcome into God's presence with clean hands and a pure heart. Now, within the text of the Old Testament, we understand that what they are doing is looking forward to the Messiah. They are looking forward to the one who will make the hands clean and the hearts pure so that they might be received within the house of the Lord. And we understand within the New Testament, we see that Messiah being Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who was given to take away the sins of the world. But understand, as we come this morning, we are to have hearts of praise. We are to have hearts of worship. Hearts that are not broken by anything or anyone within this world. Hearts that are centered upon the work of redemption in Jesus Christ. Psalm 100 tells us how we ought to enter into the courts. And it says, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. What a great and gracious God we serve. What a wonderful God. And when we come to praise Him, we ought to come with hearts of thankfulness. And it ought to give us new eyes to see the Lord's day. It ought to cause us to want to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive God's Word on the Lord's day. It ought to cause us to participate in the worship of the living God. It ought to cause us Monday through Saturday to portray what we have been confronted with on Sunday. And so this morning as we begin, let us begin by seeing that in order to rescue Sunday, we need new eyes. We need new eyes. 
most of us view Sunday in an ordinary way as just another ordinary day. There are 24 hours in the day on Sunday. The sun rises, the sun sets. Well, there's 24 hours except for today. And some of, some of our congregations not here because they weren't set ahead to be able to be reminded of the time change this morning. But there's 24 hours in the day. The sun rises, the sun sets, we eat three meals, we spend time in the regular places. But listen, when you and I begin to have a heart that longs for God's glory, that longs for God's people, our understanding of God's purposes for gathering His body and bride here in this earthly realm shifts our focus. See, we begin to understand and see Sunday as something that is essential to the believer. We see Sunday as something that is extraordinary within the course of our events. We see something Sunday as something that is extremely important for the Christian. Now understand, every day belongs to God. There is not a day and there is not a thing in this world that does not belong to God. For He has created all things by His grace and for His glory. But Sunday is the Lord's Day in a very special way. And it has been ever since Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, a dead man who had been crucified for our sins, stepped out of that grave on that first resurrection morn. See, when Jesus conquered sin, death, and hell by rising again from the grave, God testified to the world that here was His only begotten Son, the Lamb of God given to take away the sins of the world. And indeed, we need to think of the implications of that story, of that resurrection on that first Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. See, on that morning, death had been defeated by life. Sin had been atoned for by a perfect and pure substitute paying our penalty and eternal life had now been provided for all those who repent of their sins and place faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. We have been delivered from the destiny of hell which we deserve to the destination of heaven which is God's grace. Indeed, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are able to now come boldly before the presence of the Father. And every Sunday, every Lord's Day since has been a celebration of the glorious resurrection of our King. Indeed, the Savior has risen. Everything has changed. Jesus owns this day. And we gather to worship and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Why do we gather on Sundays? Because our Lord was raised from the dead. Salvation came through that day. The crucified and risen Christ has promised to be present with His people in a special way through His Holy Spirit whenever and wherever they gather. It doesn't matter whether they're in a cathedral, in a building like we're in today, or whether we're meeting under a shade tree. The reality is Jesus Christ and His powerful presence through the work of the Holy Spirit is present with His believers at all times and all places as we meet to worship God, as we meet to grow in our faith and through Bible study, as we meet to evangelize our community through the sharing of the gospel and as we meet to encourage the believers to Christ's likeness. John Stott says it this way. 
we must never let our Sundays become mere routine engagements. In that attitude of mind, we shall trifle them away by humdrum formality. Every Sunday is meant to be a great day, and we should approach it expectantly in full awareness of this. The reality is some of us are thinking about lunch right now. Some of you came in this morning not having a priority upon what would happen here, but your priority was on that UNC game this afternoon in which they're going to get their tails handed to them by FSU. I hope. But that's all right. We all have distractions. We have things that shift our eyes from what's important. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's being online. Maybe it's going shopping or hanging out or doing your homework. Whatever it is, understand this. Our eyes have to focus not on this earthly realm, but God's eternal realm. We very well might miss out on God's best for our Sunday if we don't learn to build our plans around the congregational worship of God's people instead of building our Sundays around our plans. We might miss out on God's best, on what He has for us, how He wants to change us, how He wants to transform us, how He wants to use us if we start building our plans around ourselves instead of the congregational worship of God's people. As our eyes see Sunday as something that is essential and important to the Christian life, we must develop a personal game plan for what happens before, during, and after the worship service of our living God. And so let's start today by talking about the fact that we need to rescue Sunday by preparing for the Lord's day. In order to rescue Sunday, we must prepare for the Lord's day. Look there at verses 23 through 5 in Psalm 24. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Let me ask you something this morning. Do we need to prepare for Sundays? Do we need to prepare for congregational worship? See, it's all good as long as I've got my hair done. Both of them. Right, Mr. Cooper? Make sure that both of the hairs are done. Put on some nice clothes and come into the house of the Lord. The reality is, We need to get our hearts right. It's much more than just having our outward appearance prepared to come into God's house. We need to have our hearts prepared to come into God's house. Think about it. Before we play sports, what do we do? Warm up. Before we give a big big presentation at work, what do we do? We review our notes. Before we take a big test in school, children, what do we do? We study diligently. If you don't, you're not going to be prepared for the test that is coming. Indeed, we need to give ourselves to preparing for God's worship. We shouldn't expect a rich spiritual experience on Sunday if we're not willing to prepare our hearts and minds throughout the course of each week. Preparing for Sunday involves both 
practical and spiritual decisions. First of all, if you want to prepare for Sunday rightly, then you need to prepare practically. A great Sunday morning starts Saturday night. Make wise decisions about where you go and what you do during the course of those nights. Make wise decisions about what you are going to do. Indeed, understand, if you want AM discipline to get up in time so that there's not a ruckus in the house as you get ready to go to church, what do you need to do? You need to be able to go to sleep in the PM on Saturday night. Rest and refreshment must be practical priorities for the Christian in order for us to arrive with hearts ready to engage with our Creator, our Savior, and Sustainer. In addition to that practical reality, we also make spiritual decisions as well. We must decide what kind of activities that we participate in. Are they God-focused or are they me-focused? Do they prepare my heart to hear God's Word, obey God's Word, and share God's Word? If you stay up late on Saturday evening watching a meaningless movie, just surfing the internet with no real purpose, texting a friend, or binging on the bong or the bottle, you will not be prepared to come into the house of the Lord. I don't understand why God doesn't show up. Because you haven't given yourself to preparing for His Word to come in power and in fullness in your life. John Piper says it this way, It astonishes me how many Christians watch the same banal, empty, silly, trivial, titillating, suggestive, immodest TV shows that most unbelievers watch and then wonder why their spiritual lives are weak and their worship experience is shallow with little or no intensity. If you really want to hear the Word of God the way He means for it to be heard in truth and joy and power, turn off the television on Saturday night and read something that is true and great and beautiful and pure and honorable and excellent and worthy of praise. Then watch your heart unravel. And begin to hunger for the word of God. You want to come and hear the word of God in power? Come prepared to receive God's word. How do you prepare your heart? Well, I've given you five little summations there. First of all, make time throughout the week to study, pray, and pray through and meditate on God's word. Give yourself time to pray, to study God's word, and to meditate on God's word. And then... See what the difference is. See whether God begins to use it to shape and transform your life. Secondly, remember who your audience is on Sunday morning. You are not here just to to worship before people. You're not here just to sit and observe worship. You are here to worship the Holy One, the One who receives, the One who has clean hands and a pure heart. How does he want you to prepare to come into his presence? He says, you can't prepare to come into my presence until what? You wash your hands and clean your heart. Make your list of sin and confess it. Make sure that you have nothing that is distracting you or deterring you from coming rightly before God's throne of grace. Thirdly, on Sunday morning, you need to wake up early enough to have a time to read and pray. 
wake up on Sunday morning and just read a passage of Scripture and pray that God would prepare your heart to go into the house of the Lord. Now, let's just be honest. Most of us wake up late and we're running around the house and it's like chickens with our heads cut off and we're at each other's throat and we're driving to the church and we can't even talk to one another. Because we're not prepared. What a difference it would make if we got up early enough to pray and to read through passages like Psalm 19, verses 9 and following. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What if we gave ourselves to meditating on that before we came into the house of the Lord? We would be prepared to receive the word of God. Fourthly, remember the gospel and praise God as you go to his house for salvation and sanctification. Remember the gospel every day, your need for God's salvation, your need for God's grace, and then see how God has been so good and so gracious to you and you give him praise for that great work of redemption he has done for you. Finally, guard your heart from intrusions. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, you know what? If you're easily distracted by the news, by the radio, by your iPod, by your, by your phone, by, your, by Facebook, or anything of that nature, maybe you just need to turn it off Saturday night when you go to bed and don't pick it up until you get home later Sunday. Just turn it off. Allow your heart to be consumed with God and His truth and what He desires to do in your life. If you want to prepare for an intimate encounter with your Creator, with your Savior, with your Sustainer, then give yourself unreservedly to Him and let Him give you clean hands and a pure heart. But secondly, or thirdly, we must participate. If we want to rescue Sunday, we must participate on the Lord's Day. Colossians 3.16, we looked at last week that we are to let the Word of God richly dwell within us. And we are to teach one another and admonish one another with hymns and songs and spiritual songs. We're to let the thanksgiving that, that shows forth in our salvation lift us up, carry us along. And we are to come in order to participate in the, self, in the Lord's day. After we have prepared ourselves for a great day of worship with our spiritual family, it is time to come and to participate in the praise and worship of the living God. As we come into the building, we need to have an eternal perspective of what we are engaging in. We are joining with an eternal throng of singing praises, lifting our requests, and making known the greatness and glory of our God. 
We are joining with God's people throughout time and throughout eternity to lift up his praises and to worship him in spirit and truth. We're not here to be babied. We're not here to be entertained. We are here not as a part of an audience observing worship. We are part of the congregation participating in worship. In our singing, it's not to matter the style of the music. It's not to matter how we feel or even how our voice sounds. After all, isn't it a great relief that the Psalms say that we are to make a joyful noise unto the Lord? I've seen some, I've heard some baritones that sounded something along the lines of a bull moose. And I've heard some sopranos that were trying to sing and they just needed to be put out of their misery. But what a great blessing that God doesn't hear the tone of our song. He hears the heart. Of our song. What a wonderful comfort that in song we are engaging our minds with the truth of God's word in praise and gratefulness to God. So don't focus on your feelings. Focus on the truth that you are singing. Focus on what you are saying about the reality of the person to whom you sing. For God is observing and receiving your worship in light of his glory and grace. Give it all that you have. Sing out. Sing fervently. I I can't sing. Has God saved you? Has he changed you? Has he transformed you? Has he made you a child of the king? If he has, I've got a song to sing to everybody. In the sermon, we need to understand that we are hearing God's word delivered by God's man under the power of God's spirit for God's people. But notice the importance of this event really centers on the event being centered on God and not man. See, preaching is God's man standing in God's place, delivering God's word under the leadership of God's spirit for God's people. We need to make sure that our hearts are centered on God in the midst of hearing the sermon. Not on ourselves and not on others. See, when the word of God is truly preached, we believe the voice of God is truly heard. The preaching of God's word is not merely receiving information about God, but it is God making an appeal through his word, addressing our hearts, addressing our lives, addressing the course of our direction for the sake of our souls. Indeed, he is calling us to obey him and what and, and to see what he has done, what he is doing, and how we are called to participate. God is honored when we listen well to his word. Donald Whitney warns us of not participating in worship through hearing the sermon. When he says, we normally think of worship as something we do. And since preaching is done by the preacher, many fail to think of preaching as worship. But listening to preaching is something you do. And it is an act of worship when you listen with an eager mind and responsive heart. The reason it is an act of worship is that you are listening to God speak through his word. Jesus told those listening to him in Luke chapter 8, he said, take care of how you listen. You want to get the most out of the sermon? Then do a couple of things. First of all, bring your Bible and see if what I'm telling you is actually what God's Word says. 
Be good Bereans and search out the Bible daily to see whether what I am teaching you is the truth of God's Word. Secondly, not only bring your Bible, encourage, engage your mind. Engage your mind. Think through what the Scripture says and how it applies into your life. Think through what God would have you do in response to the passage we are studying. Thirdly, take notes. Write it out. You want to be clear on what you're hearing and what what it means for your life, then you sit there and you have a piece of paper and a pen ready to hear and receive God's Word and to write down how we should respond rightly. We need to come to worship, listen, and ready to participate in the worship of God on the Lord's day. Fourthly, we must portray what we have received on the Lord's day. We must portray what we have received on the Lord's day. If you flip over to James chapter 1, I want you to see this passage of Scripture there. In James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, it says this, But prove yourself doers of the Word. What did it say? Prove yourself what? Hearers of the Word? Doers of the Word. Doers of the Word. And not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he is immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. God's Word says if you want the most out of your Sundays, you need to come prepared to worship Him in spirit and in truth. You need to participate in the worship service as it goes along. But then you need to actually take what you have heard and you need to heed it by doing it Monday through Saturday. Listen, I don't stand up here so I can hear myself talk or so you can hear me talk. I stand up here to inform you of what God's Word says so that it might then inform you of what you should do Monday through Saturday. Sundays are meant to inform our weeks. And we ought to come on Sunday morning on the lookout for God. And we ought to leave after the service on the lookout for people and how we might bring the gospel to bear upon our lives and upon our hearts. The purpose of congregational worship is to engage our lives in the worship of God so our love, our witness, and our work would show the transformational power of the gospel. Listen. Others are watching your life. They hear you claim that you are a Christian. They hear you say that you go to church week after week. But you know what really makes a difference in their lives? What they see you do. And whether they see you living by the book, Christians ought to be known as a people of the book. We ought to be known for the fact that we read, study, and understand God's Word so that we can apply it into our life. Our faith and our love for God is always expressed in our faithfulness to Him and in displaying our love for others. Sundays ought to be a time in order for us to come into the house of God, to hear the Word of God, to be encouraged, and then to plan how we are going to portray God's grace in our lives through the course of the week. It ought to be a time when we come and scout out others who are here who have not been here before and reach out to them 
inviting them into our homes, inviting them out to meals, investing in their lives in such a way that we would see gospel, God's gospel expanded to the ends of the earth. Listen, we have Seymour Johnson Air Force Base two miles down Berkeley Boulevard, and we've got young men and women coming continually in and out of these doors, and they are searching for a faith family. They are searching for a place, not just, to, not just where they can come and be a part of those who believe, but a place where they can belong. They need families away from their families. They need homes away from their homes. We have the opportunity to touch this world by transforming and ministering to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. Let's get busy. God has brought the world to our doorstep at Adamsville Baptist Church. We have the opportunity to take the gospel Give it to them. And then for us to send the world, send the gospel to the ends of the world through sending them out in service of our country. We must, must, must be a people who see people not as scenery or machinery, but as souls, men and women who are important to the living God. And when we have the opportunity to share the gospel, to minister to those around us, we must take that opportunity. Indeed, we can, we can be that family to those who have no family. We can be that home to those who are away from their homes. For indeed, within our community of faith, we have a great opportunity to express God's grace and God's great love. Our hearing of God's word must lead to actions within our lives. See, in this, we must commit ourselves to respond to the truth and receive God's Word. We must plan to engage our life with the truth of God's Word. And we need to start asking ourselves, how can my family and I invest joyfully in all of Sunday in a way that truly celebrates God's love and presence in our lives and carries it through the rest of the week? Listen, if you want to rescue Sunday, you know what you need to do. You need to see it differently. You need to see it as the Lord's day. If you want to rescue that time of congregational worship, then you prepare yourself to come and hear the word of God. You participate within the worship service of the living God, and then you portray what you have heard and what you have learned so that others can see it has changed and transformed your life. When we come into the house of the Lord, there's a passage of scripture that speaks deeply to my heart. And it's a passage that we find there in Psalm 84, verse 10. And I want to ask you as we close this morning, is this the approach you have as you come into the house of the Lord? Because see, in Psalm 84, verse 10, it says, Better is one day in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. It says, A day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I would rather have one day in the house of God, worshiping in spirit and in truth, Serving him in a menial task than a thousand living in the riches and fullness of wickedness. Is that your heart? As we come today 
I want you to look around and see. These are our blood-bought brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. These are the brothers and sisters that Jesus Christ loved enough to die for. We are His church. We are His people. And we are here this morning to proclaim the truth that He can change lives. He can change anyone from anywhere with anything in their past if we will just give ourselves to Him. And it's better to spend one moment, one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand dwelling in the tents of wickedness. Let us redeem the Lord's day. Let it be an opportunity for us to draw near to Him as He draws near to us. Let it, let it be a great opportunity for us to witness to the watching world of the transforming power and glory and joy that He has brought in our life. We need to rescue our Lord's day. We need to reclaim the wonder of this day. We need to restore the priority of our worship of the living God. But if you're going to do it, He doesn't want you to do it half-heartedly. He wants you to give all of who you are to all of what He wants you to be so that He can make you into the image of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this morning, are you willing to lay everything down? Is it better for you to spend one day in the house of the Lord than it is to dwell in the tents of wickedness for all of eternity? Because if you give yourself to the Lord, you give yourself to His service, He will reward you with an eternity of everlasting blessings because He will change and transform your destiny from heaven or hell that we deserve to heaven. His rich reward for all those who love and seek Him. Father, in this moment, let us truly confess it's better to have one day in Your presence than a thousand elsewhere. Lord, Let us give ourselves unreservedly to worshiping You in spirit and in truth. Father, change our focus. Change our eyes. Make us see the importance of this, the Lord's day. Let us prepare our hearts. Let us engage engage our hearts and minds by participating in the worship. And Father, we pray that You would let us portray Your grace and Your glory to every person we come in contact with throughout the course of this week. Lord, give us in this time of decision, Father, a heart for you, a heart for your people, and a heart for the congregational worship as your bride gathers here within this world. Father, lead us and guide us in these moments of decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together now.